In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, starting from verse 41 to the end of the chapter, about 12 verses. In the beginning of the chapter, we read about chapter 2, read about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the visit of the shepherds, then the circumcision of our Lord Jesus Christ, the presentation uh, to the temple, and the returning back to Nazareth. Then from verse 41, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So the law of Moses The law of Moses required the attendance of all males at three major feasts. All the Jewish males from everywhere in the world should go to Jerusalem, should go to the temple in these three major feasts. The Passover, the Pentecost, and the Feast of the Tabernacle. As we read in Exodus, chapter 23, verse 17, and Deuteronomy, chapter 16, verse 16. The scattering of the Jews had, of course, relaxed the obligation for those who lived at a distance. So if people lived like in Europe, not every year they would go to Jerusalem. So this obligation became relaxed uh, because people were dispersed all over the world. But it was still more or less generally recognized by those who dwelt in Palestine. Those dwelt in, in, in Palestine or Israel, whether in the north in Galilee or in Samaria or in Judea, they used to go to Jerusalem in the south every year. The school of Halail held the Passover to be binding upon women as well as men. Not only the male, but also the females will go to Jerusalem in the Feast of Passover. That's according to the school of Hillel. And the yearly journey to Jerusalem may therefore be taken as indication of devout obedience. We read here in, in verse 41, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. So this actually reflects their devout obedience to the law of God. Uh, and when a Jewish boy was three years old, he was given the tasseled garment, a special garment directed by the law, as you read in Numbers chapter 15, verse 38 to 41 and was repeated again in Deuteronomy 22 to ver verse uh, 12. That's at the age of three. At five, age of five, he usually began to learn portions of the law under his mother's direction. So in the house, his mother started to teach him portions of the law, like the Ten Commandments, so to educate him. At the age of 12, a Jewish boy became 
a son of the law with the responsibility of Iman and obligation to keep the law. So at age of 12, actually, he is required to keep the law. And it is interesting, now actually in parenting, they say the child goes through three stages. Each stage is six years. So the first stage from his infancy to six years old. Second stage from six to 12. Third stage from 12 to 18. And they call these three stages, the first stage, they call it what? Second stage, they call it how? Third stage, they call it why? First stage, what? Means what are the principles you want to teach your kid? So just plant in his mind, there is something called fasting, there is something called the prayer, there is something called the church, there is something called communion, confession. So that's what, what are the principles that you want to teach your kid? And you don't focus on the how now, but just plant in his mind, there is something called the prayer, fasting, confession, communion, or any other principle, social principle you want to teach your child. Then from six to 12, that is how. You start teaching your son or your daughter how to pray, how to fast, how to confess, how to study the scripture, how to take communion. So by age of 12, he should know or she should know how to practice all these principles. And by the age of 12, they, are, they should be fully accountable. Then from 12 to 18, it is a stage of why. We explain them why. Why we pray, why we fast, why we confess, why we go to church, etc. So it's interesting here what the Jewish tradition was teaching the people. By age of 12, he's accountable <coughs> and has all the responsibility of an adult, an obligation to keep the law. The same actually what the counselors nowadays they are saying about these three stages of development <clears throat> so so let us see at the age of 12 as we, we read here in verse 42 and when he jesus was 12 years old they went up to jerusalem according to the custom of the feast so they took him to jerusalem at the age of 12. So this mention of the age of Jesus is probably to suggest that this is the first time his parents took him to Jerusalem to indicate that he is now 12 with a responsibility to keep the law. And because he is responsible to keep the law as a male uh, boy, he should go to Jerusalem, to the temple in these three major feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacle. The feast of Passover and of living the bread held seven days. You know the Passover is the first day. Then with this day actually they remove all every all leaven from the house. And that is the start of the unleavened bread and it takes seven days. 
during which time Joseph and Mary stayed in Jerusalem and then returned. That's why in verse 43, it says, when they had finished the days, which days? The seven days of the feast. As they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. So, but supposing him to have been in the company, there were many children in his age, so they thought that this boy Jesus is just hanging with some boys and going back to Jerusalem, but with other families. And after actually they went a day's journey. You know, Nazareth was in the north, Galilee. Nazareth is a city in Galilee, and Galilee was in the north. Then in the middle was Samaria, and the south was Jerusalem. So from Nazareth to uh, Jerusalem, it's 80 miles, 80 miles. At that time, there was no cars or airplanes or buses, so they took it either walking or on uh, animals. So uh, this journey actually takes several days, 80 miles. So after actually they journeyed one day from Jerusalem back to Nazareth in the north, they sought him, they asked about Jesus among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So uh, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. The words did not imply that he intentionally stayed behind. He just maybe missed his parents when they started their journey back to Nathers. Or perhaps on each of the feast day in these seven days, the boy Jesus was seeking wisdom to do his father's work at the hand of the appointed teachers who sat at Moses' chair. So he used to go to spend the time in the temple with the teacher asking them and learning from them. So this, became, this had become habitual and he went as usual even when the feast was over. So after the seventh feast was over, on the eighth day, he went also to the temple to ask the teachers and his parents started his journey. So I want to emphasize, he did not intentionally linger behind. But Joseph and Mary, instead of seeking him in the temple, took for granted that he had started the journey back to Nazareth with the other boys of the same age who had come from Nazareth. Uh, so who are the relative and acquaintances? Those of the same family and neighborhood who came from Nazareth and went up to Jerusalem together on such occasion, on the feast of Passover. Like when, for example, you go to Jerusalem nowadays, you go with certain group, you don't go alone by yourself. So this journey, or because it was a long journey, several days, so used to go in groups. Uh, many may continue along life's way believing that Jesus in their company while actually he is not. So that's a spiritual application. Many of us 
we continue in our life journey, seeking that we are in his company or Jesus in my company, while he is not. Like how Mary and Joseph believed that Jesus was in their company while he was not. So they returned back, and sure enough, they found him in the temple, uh, in the church. Temple is a figure of the church, and that's where he is found today. He, Jesus also, he, he exists everywhere, but the church is the house of God where we can find our private time and special, special time with him when come to the church and partake of his body and his blood. As we read in verse 46, now, so it was after three days, they journeyed one day, and they returned one day, and one day they were seeking in all Jerusalem, seeking about him in all Jerusalem. Uh, so they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions listening to them and asking them questions. And that's example of our attitude when we come to the church. We come here to learn. We listen to the word of God. And when we ask a question, we're asking question not to challenge others or not to show our, of our knowledge, but to learn as the Lord Jesus Christ was doing. And all who heard him were astonished as his understanding and answers. So, seeking him diligently, if they sought earnestly when they first found him missing, there is little doubt that their diligence must be greatly increased during his three days absence. So, first they tried to find him among the relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, definitely their diligence to seek him became increased. Uh, you know, can you imagine parents, their child, 12 years old, is missing for three days, how they would feel about it. Uh, Jesus was missing for three days in Jerusalem as he will be missing on the three days between his crucifixion and resurrection. So some fathers made this connection as the disciples missed him for three days between crucifixion and resurrection. So he was missed here for three days. And finding Jesus on the third day prefigured the event of resurrection. So those who believe in the resurrection and those who live the resurrection of Christ definitely will find the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it's strange that they should have for so long searched in other places because one day they were searching, as I told you, one day journey back and one, uh, to Nazareth, one day back to Jerusalem. Then for one day they sought, searched for him, but not in the temple. So it's strange enough that they searched in other places instead of the temple. But if they remembered the mystery of this child, what Archangel Gabriel said to Mary and Joseph about this chi child, actually the first place they should have 
gone to what should be the temple. Uh, because that is his earthly home, the house of his father in heaven. In the same way, those who try to search for Jesus Christ outside from the church, his holy body, then actually they may not find him. <clears throat> when they went to the temple, they found him sitting in the midst of the teachers, not standing as a catacumen to be instructed by them. The tradition for the catacumens, catacumens, those who are learning about the faith, and when they were talking to the teachers, they have to be standing. But the Lord Jesus Christ, they allowed him to sit because they felt the grace in him. So, uh, because of, he, of his knowledge and his wisdom, the teachers admitted him to sit among them as a fellow or a member of their society, as an equal, although he was 12 years old, not as a student learning about the faith. Uh, this is an instance, not only that he was filled with wisdom, but that he had both a desire to increase his wisdom and readiness to communicate it. Why he was sitting and asking questions and listening? Because he wanted to increase in wisdom. And when I'm speaking here, you need to know that although he is God, the source of all wisdom, but as St. Paul said, he emptied himself. Emptied himself meaning what? Meaning when he became a man, he grew in, in body, in a stature like any child. He grew in his knowledge like any child. He grew in wisdom like any child. That is what uh, St. Paul meant by he emptied himself. So he's sitting in the temple means he wants to grow more and more in, in, in wisdom. And this is actually an example to our children and young people who should learn of Christ uh, and to delight in the company of those who may get good by. For example, when they go to church, when attend the Sunday school, when attend youth meeting, they should be diligent in learning and increasing in wisdom like our Lord Jesus Christ. Our young uh, children and young people should choose to sit in the midst of godly scholars and teachers rather than in the midst of the ungodly, rather than spending, spending hours and hours on social media, uh, feeding their mind with many, many lies. No, they should, should come and search for the truth in the church of God, sitting among godly scholars and godly teachers in the church. Verse 48, So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. We, we don't know the details of the conversation between the Lord Jesus Christ and the teachers. Just St. Luke told us he was sitting, listening, asking questions, but 
unfortunately, the dialogue was not recorded for us. But we know that all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. His understanding in the knowledge of the law, the law of Moses, and also of the scripture of the Old Testament. Also, as St. Luke told us, that St. Mary and Joseph, when they saw him, they were amazed. And the words of St. Mary to him, you feel there is a gentle reproach. Why have you done this to us? So as a mother, she was gently reproaching him. And uh, we notice that St. Joseph, you know, he stood away, uh, apart. St. Augustine comments on St. Mary's words. When St. Mary said, your father and I, saying that, that though she obtained all this honor, having God's word in her womb, yet she behaved in a spiritual modesty towards St. Joseph by presenting him first, then herself to follow. So St. Augustine is saying, Mary knows for sure that Jesus is her son only. He was born without seed of men. So Joseph is not his biological father because Jesus was born from a virgin, St. Mary only, in a miraculous way. But her humble spirit and her modesty made her to say, your father and I. She knew only uh, uh, too well that he was not of St. Joseph's seed, but by means of her spiritual love that filled up the whole family, she considered Joseph as his father, and thus she mentioned him first before herself. And this is a lesson to all of us in modesty, humbleness, and meekness. Then the Lord told her, verse 49, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? These words are the first words of our Lord Jesus Christ recorded to us in the scripture. These are his first words. That's why these words are very memorable as being the first recorded words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus reminded them here that he came down from heaven and he had a higher father, the heavenly father, who is higher than the earthly parent. And even in his early life, it was proper that he should be engaged of the work that his heavenly father assigned him to do. And throughout his ministry, this claim of Jesus was often repeated. So this word, I, I have to, to do the work assigned to me by my heavenly father. When you study the four gospels, you will find these words repeated several times. So, Clearly, this statement of Christ so early in his life is the principal thing Luke intended to be taught by this episode. So why 
why Luke mentioned this episode about Jesus when he was 12 years old because of this verse. He wants us to know that from the age of 12, the legal age to be responsible to complete the law, from this age, he said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I am here to fulfill the work that God the Father has appointed me to do. Verse 50, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Mary and Joseph did not understand this statement. Maybe you are quick to assume that at least St. Mary or both of them should have understood. Uh, And from the story of Annunciation, and when the angel appeared to Joseph to instruct him to go to Egypt, uh, escaping from Herod, so they know this child is not a normal, a regular child. So how they did not understand this? Maybe 12 years, however, uh, of the life of uh, the early years of, of Jesus Christ, of his childhood, and how he was grow, growing like a regular child, maybe this have dulled the impression that they had received from the angels. So for 12 years, he was growing like a normal child. So what they heard from the angels was being not clear in their mind. And even if they in part understood the words as referring, referring to the marvel of his birth, but still, what does it mean my father's business? Even if they remember what happened Uh, during his birth and the virginal birth of Jesus and all the miracles that happened in Egypt and in his childhood. But still, the deep meaning of my father's business to be understood fully and to to be understood completely is still unclear. And and maybe until now, we, we who know about the redemption about the sacrifice of the cross about the crucifixion and resurrection but my father's business is a a big big word even for us right now 2000 year after this instant we don't understand completely what the lord meant by my father's business the last two verses in this chapter then he went down with them and came to nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. So Jesus was obedient to the commandment to honor his earthly parents. One of the Ten Commandments, commandment number five, honor your father and mother. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. Although he is a creator, and he created Mary and Joseph, but as in his incarnation, he was obedient. He was submissive to them. Uh, and the hour of his appearance at the world savior had not yet come. This started when he at age of 30 after being baptized by John the Baptist. 
But so in the meanwhile, for his childhood, from his birth until he became 30 years old, and even after that, he manifested the noblest quality of youth, that of loving submission to his earthly parents. Uh, unfortunately, nowadays, we don't see this, unfortunately, in many of our children. The respect to their children, uh, to their parents, the honor of the parents has gone. Many, many children speak to their parents as equal or sometimes in a condescending way, as if they understand better than their parents. And here we have the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, God who became man, he was submissive to his parents. St. Mary contemplated all these events, uh, probably uh, what St. Luke said means that she did so in terms of what had been revealed to her in the past. So she is reflecting on these events, keeping in mind what Archangel Gabriel has told her in the Annunciation and what, what was likely to unfold in the future according to the prophecies uh, she had received and the teaching of the prophets. So Mary was watching these events and contemplating, keeping in her mind what Archangel told her and said to Joseph also, and also keeping in her mind the prophecies about the Messiah. So she was contemplating about all of this in her heart. And her continuing thoughtful contemplation shows her appreciation of God's uh, divine plan and economy for her. Because she became part of the economy of salvation. Last verse. And Jesus increased. This verse actually proves his real humanity. He's perfect God and perfect human. Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor or grace with God and men. So here we can see the fourfold development of Christ. Mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. Many people say, what is the best age for a person to start serving in the church? For example, to be a Sunday school servant. And we say when he is mature. Mature mentally, intellectually. Intellectual maturity. Physically, يعني not less than 16 years old. Uh, socially, he developed the social skills of communication. He's socially mature. If he doesn't know how to communicate, he will cause a lot of problems. And spiritually, spiritual maturity. In the same way, one time they asked the, his grace, Bishop Musa, Musa, the bishop of the youth, what is the best age for marriage? He told them when the person is mature, mature financially, mature intellectually, mature socially, mature physically, mature spiritually. Maturity is a very important issue in our life. We see some people, maybe they are 30 or more than this, but they are not 
mature in one area. But the, we need actually to grow and parents here should help their children to grow in every aspect and children should seek maturity and development intellectually, socially, uh, also physically and spiritually. So here the fourfold four development of Christ is affirmed <clears throat> exactly the type of growth and development that is inherent in the very, fa very fact of incarnation. Incarnation means he became a real human. And as a real human, he is growing uh, and maturing mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. <clears throat> he who emptied himself, as I explained, St. Paul in his letter to Philippi said about the Lord Jesus Christ, he emptied himself, and became man, found it needful to pass through the helplessness of infancy, the ignorance of the babyhood, the incompetence of adolescence, just like all men. So this was part of his incarnation, part of emptying himself. He went through all these stages. The true humanity of our Lord is thus brilliantly presented by St. Luke, no less than his true deity. Deity means he's a perfect God and a perfect human. Because one of the, one of the heresies, uh, the heresy of Eutychus, Eutychus said Jesus was not perfect human. So his humanity was just fake. He appeared like a human. And the church excommunicated him. And as we say in the divine liturgy, Jesus is a perfect human, perfect man, and these two natures are combined together, united together, without mingling, without confusion, and without alteration. So if any ask how he, who was the eternal wisdom of the Father, and who is the only wise God, increased in wisdom, how God, who became man, now we can say about him, he increased in wisdom. They must know that all things in scripture which are spoken of Christ are not spoken with respect of his entire person, with his divinity, about his divinity, but with the respect of the one <coughs> who became man. And uh, he emptied himself. That's why it is very proper and very fitting to say he increased in wisdom as he did in age or in stature with respect to his human, not to his divine nature. St. Luke attributed to St. Mary uh, the narrative, sorry. St. Luke attributed to St. Mary the narratives uh, just concluded. So chapter 1 and chapter 2, how St. Luke knew all these stories from St. Mary directly. Some say while he was painting her icon, he asked her question and he got all these 
information about this first 12 year because no other gospel Matthew Mark and John did not record any of these things so St. Luke for sure he got all these details from St. Mary without actually naming her as his source but uh, this conclusion of the church fathers is obligatory we, we are obligated by knowing all these details. Nobody could have given St. Luke all these details about the first 12 years except St. Mary. This concludes actually chapter 2 from the Gospel of our Luke, uh, Gospel of St. Luke. Uh, glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.